What's the matter? It's almost Thanksgiving and I don't know what to do. I've got everything but a main course. What about a ham? Too small. A chicken? Too lame. A roast. Not lame enough. Hello there. I think I have an answer for you. A burglar? No, no. I'm Carl Butterball. Take anything you want. Don't hurt us. I won't take anything. (laughs) Instead, I'll leave you with this. A turkey? I'm scared. Not just any turkey. A patented Carl Butterball Family Farms brand turkey. Turkey. What do we do with it? It's the perfect main course for your Thanksgiving celebration. The finest turkeys, with even finer warbles, are selected to become cow butterball turkeys. The meat is moist, and the giblets are divine. Try it cooked or raw, there's no going wrong with a cow butterball turkey. Wow, this is fantastic. Christmas is saved. You mean Thanksgiving. Oh, right. Christmas is Thanksgiving. That's right. This Thanksgiving, go for a turkey with the Carl Butterball seal of approval branded right onto the neck. The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Paul, it's great to have you out here again. We have ourselves a fine day, fine day, low wind, very low wind, which is important. It's a wonderful day for the first annual uh, Third Man Podcast Parade Festival that we have for Thanksgiving night. That's right, James. I'm freezing my nuts off. You don't need those nuts. You could uh, you could take a squirrel and have that little squirrel take that little acorn and just pack that away. Pack your nuts away is what I'm trying to say. That's very funny, James. I understand that's a reference to a song. It might be, it might be. I'm sorry, somebody's... In, I'm, I'm being told right now... Oh. I'm being told right now that is a reference to a song. Is that true, James? It might be, Paul. Actually, James, I'm so sorry. I'm being handed a fact-checking sheet right now, and it appears as though there's a song called Little Acorns that you may have been plagiarizing. No sh- Yeah. Well, that yeah. was completely 100% unintentional, Paul. Now- there's a cease and desist order. Um, that was fast. Really fast, actually. Well, it seems all the people are walking away with the balloons. Hey, Swank, are you sure about this? Is this real? Here? This? Oh, really? Now it's a restraining order. Okay. Everything's fine. (laughs) You're going to be fine. Okay, well... If I could uh, give you some advice, just a small piece of advice. 
Uh-huh. Just, just stop. No, we got some balloons coming down the pike here. Uh, there's a nice little peppermint one coming down there. It is a very impressive parade. I love the balloon. I'm really into it, but I gotta tell you, I'm I'm really worried for your safety. It's a peppermint balloon. I made it myself. I'm a I'm one of the handlers now. Look at this, um, I got another balloon. It's a an upside down peppermint balloon. Wouldn't you believe this is the best third man Thanksgiving Day parade of all time? Can you believe can you believe they're they're the Christmas stuff is out so early? Is what I want us to talk about right now. I hear those bells a ring dingling. That's how the song goes, right? Our best yet. Welcome to the Third Men Podcast. Sponsored by Carl Butterball. Boy, that turkey goes down smooth. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, is he just sponsoring it or is it like... No, it's Carl this... Butterball's Butterball brand, Carl Butterball's patented Butterball turkey. I He's see. sponsoring the program today and we just like to say we really appreciate the live birds that you sent us, but please get them out of my kitchen yeah. and get them out of my house. <laughs> my compliments to the troop of butternut dancers that have been entertaining us all evening. They were here live at the Third Men Annual Thanksgiving Day Parade. Mm-hmm. I'm your co-host for this parade, James Kaminsky. I am your co-host, Paul Kaminsky, and... Co-anchor? Would we be anchors? Can we be anchors, yep. Paul? I think I'm putting an anchor on yes. this show and having it sink to the bottom of... It's all being yeah. dragged down. This is a Jack White history and fan podcast. I was I hesitated with history on that one. Where we wherein we talk about uh, all kinds of stuff as it relates to Third Man Records and Jack White and uh, White Stripes and boy the rockin' tours and oh he's been involved in so many things. And today, James, there's a we got a special episode for everybody. Yeah, it's a time of joy. It's a time of coming together. It's a time of giving thanks. Mm. It's our Thanksgiving Spectacular. Yeah, second year running. It's our Thanksgiving Spectacular 2017. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Jack White. White. So today we're, we're going to be having a little bit of fun here at the Thanksgiving Day Spectacular, <laughs> all thanks to Mr. Carl Butterball's famous Butterball Turkey. Isn't that right, Carl? That's right, James. I'd just like to say thank you for allowing me to sponsor your Thanksgiving Spectacular. As the world knows, I'm Jack White's biggest fan. It's my greatest pleasure to be donating these wonderful lives. Supple turkeys to you, fine boys. Carl, I gotta say, you've provided the studio here with some giblets, and um, I just got... Mm, those yes. are very... No, those are very good giblets. What are giblets uh, exactly? Uh, they're the inside uh, of the turkey, my favorite You like the stuffing? Now, between you and you, they are the part I like to eat the most, but the part of... The turkey I love the most is the delightful warbles. They, yeah. they screech at mm-hmm. you, especially during the Thanksgiving season. You see, anywho, goodbye. <laughs> I am not sure what this episode really is, and I'm on it. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> Today we're going to be going over some <laughs> some assorted Thanksgiving leavings that we may not have gotten to last. Thanksgiving special. Would you say these are the leftovers from last year? These are our Thanksgiving leftovers. That's very good. These are our Thanksgiving leftovers from last year, Paul. So uh, who knows if we'll have enough for next year. But you guys are in for a reheated treat. 
So mm-hmm. uh, sit back and relax and enjoy a wonderful laid back episode of the Th- Third Men podcast, Thanksgiving style. We promise you there will be a really good one next time. There's just going to be such a good one next next episode. But before we get to all of that, James... Is there something someone's got to tell? There is, James. It's every single one's got a story to tell. Oh, that's very nice. I'm very happy to hear that. Pokey's mother is coming to Thanksgiving dinner later. Oh, you can believe it. Oh, God, look at this spread. My goodness. Marvelous. Is that name brand butter? James, every single one's got a story to tell is the segment of the show in which we go to you, the listener, and ask you to tell us some stories about encounters with Jack White, times at concerts, experiences in the third man community. So this week, James, we've got one from listener to the show and friend of the show, Rain Prosper. Mm. And she was at the Jack White We're Going to Be Friends signing in New York City last Saturday. That we will be detailing later in the show with today's third man. So that's super interesting. I would love yeah. to hear the story that she's got to tell, Paul. Yeah, so I mean as you as you mentioned there, um the the signing that we're going to be talking about later in the show, the one that I saw was on Saturday, November 4th. Um this one took place on November 11th and uh, Rain went to go visit and she sent us this wonderful note detailing the weekend, some cool photos. She said that she attended the book signing this weekend and wasn't going to go at first, but saw the newsletter and recruited her roommate to go with her. And so the both of them went and stood in line for a very long time. She had some friends with her for, for moral support. It was apparently very, very cold, and they spent time running back and forth to Starbucks. I, I happened to see something similar myself when I was online the week prior. And after the uh, reading, uh, she went up to get her book signed, and she had a great encounter with Jack here. She asked him if he was going to set more of his songs to the storybook format, and he implied that maybe... He would, with a smile and a handshake. And uh, she did say that he was apparently working on putting out a book of poetry, which is awesome. I would love to hear some Jack White poetry. I'd love to hear a couple bars, a couple haikus. That is interesting. I did not know that. Uh, She said he was perfectly charming and sweet. And she moved along and then spoke with Eleanor, a.k.a. April March, which we'll we'll get to later in the show. Got her signature, and apparently there were some photos that, you know, they're very strict in their photo policy. Again, this is going to be repeated a lot later, but she did get some photos of her with Jack from her neighbors who had accompanied her there. And there's a photo that was taken of Jack... Who, uh, who posed for her, so that was really, really cool. Yeah, so look, they had a great encounter, and uh, I'm very happy to hear that. And Rain, thank you for uh, sending that along. It was cool to hear from you, and uh, we appreciate you sharing. And James, that's been uh, Every Single One's Got a Story to Tell. Oh, my God. 
James, um, in the spirit of Thanksgiving. Oh, that segment brought to you by Carl Butterball of Butterball Brain Turkeys. Thank you, Carl. James, in the spirit of Thanksgiving and the spirit of thankfulness, I would also like to say that I am incredibly thankful that we're going to get a new Jack White album soon. Apparently, music that is fit for back alley stabbings. Yeah. And also gardening and reshingling a roof, I want to say, as well. Oh, man, this is the perfect, perfect thing I've been wanting to hear because I'm (laughs) I'm buying a house. I'm going to be... Doing some home improvement work, possibly reshingling roofs. I'm going to be starting my <laughs> garden up because I am a, a, an avid gardener. I'm going to be out there gardening. I'm going to be out uh-huh. there reshingling. I'm going to be stabbing yeah. some people in the alleys, Paul. Well, all that is admissible in court. And um, but yeah, I'm very thankful for that. And this this book is pretty cool too. I got to say, it's very very nice. So I'm very very thankful for that, James. I just thought I just felt inclined to say that because we're talking about Thanksgiving. James, what do you say we get into the the topics here? Yeah, let's get into our first topic for this evening. Um, Paul, our first topic for this evening is the noble turkey. (laughs) (laughs) It's not necessarily turkeys, though. It's specifically birds. Because as you know, on Thanksgiving, we have a tradition here in the United States to to eat turkey, to eat bird. I mean, there's the turducken, Mm -hmm. there's the turkey with a duck and a chicken all inside of it, which seems, quite honestly, blasphemous. But it also, uh, you know, it's three birds, much like Mm -hmm. a certain song, which I'll get into in a second. But it's no secret also that Jack White has a thing for recently deceased animals and no shock that birds are also one of those animals and are a frequent symbol in his lyrics and artwork. All right. I'm along for this ride. I would like to point out that this is going to be inevitably someone's first episode of this show, and I am so soberingly sorry. Yeah. So on this holiday, we pay lots of attention to the noble turkey, and I figured I'd run down a little list here of some Jack White bird references that he's used in songs in the in, in the past and in the present. Well, I'd be delighted if you did, James. Yeah. Obviously, these are not turkeys, but they could be if you really wanted them to be, with the exception of this first song, Paul, because it's very specific. Hello Operator off of the DeStyle album. Ah, I love this song. Hello Operator, like I said, off the White Stripes' second album, to style, has a mm-hmm. lyric in it, Find a Canary, a Bird to Bring My Message Home. Yes. Yeah, very cool song, very bluesy song. Uh, this whole album, very bluesy, very good. We haven't gotten into our album analysis and review of this song yet, but we will soon. Not yet. But yeah, uh, our first reference here is is from Hello Operator, a small reference, and right along from there, we move on to Little Bird which is also on the style mm. album. Another great tune. I got a little bird I'm gonna take her home Put her in a cage And disconnect the phone I don't know about you, Paul, but when I'm thinking turkey, I'm not thinking little bird. Mm. He should have been talking about a big bird. <laughs> yeah. If you think I'm a nice fat bird, look at this. I told you this. This episode's freeform jazz. I'm just, 
<laughs> Little Bird is, like I said, on the style. It's a it's a bluesy slide guitar song, which Jack White occasionally will pick up the slide guitar. He said in the past that uh, slide is my one true love. I enjoy the smoothness it gives you, and it's so much more expressive than standard playing. I know this will sound stupid, but when I play a pedal steel, it feels as if it was the instrument I was born to play. I'm so scared to buy one, though, because you may never see me again. But right along from there... <laughs> Moving along. We move on to some some of the visuals that he's expressed in The White Stripes, specifically in the song Love is the Truth. The, ah, yeah. Yeah, the song he wrote for Coca-Cola and recently released on his acoustic recordings, 1998 to 2016. There's going to be a point where I'll forget the years in that, but today's not that day. Well played. Thank you. In the actual commercial that that Coca-Cola played only once, it starts with a young lady with a bird on her shoulder and the bird flies away and that is the instigation for the entire rest of the music video which is her multiplying out the door it's a, it's kind of it's uh, she's there and then there's a duplicate of her and so on and so on and so forth it's kind of like hardest button to button a little bit but it's sort of a variation on it kind of thing mm-hmm. it's it's actually very similar to hardest button to button now that i think about it i never made that correlation before you know that's what these that's what this, these shows are for birds have also been used off and on for uh, uh, like with Rob Jones Prince, he's used a caged bird before, um, mm-hmm. probably in reference Lots. to the song uh, Little Bird, uh, Hello Operator or something. I'm talking specifically White Stripes right now, but penguins have been a big thing. Uh-huh. Uh, you yeah. don't see too many of those. Maybe on a, an Arctic or Antarctic Thanksgiving table, you might find a penguin. From there, we move on to the dead weather. They have uh, they have a lot of birds in their visuals as well. Rob Jones used a lot of ravens and crows and buzzards and that sort of thing in the album artworks and merchandising and posters and the dead weather had a song specifically the song three birds which was on the album whorehound yes Which I can only assume they're talking about Turducken. Yeah, I mean, uh, I especially loved it when Jack Lawrence's bass solo replicated the sound of a animal being shoved into another animal twice. <laughs> it was fuzzy, it was is what it was. It yeah, sounded no, it was very, very fuzzy. fuzzy. Yeah. It was very fuzzy and very right. impressive. The song was an instrumental off of Whorehound. It featured all four members as writing credit Alison Mossar, Jack White, Dean Fertitta, and Jack Lawrence. And it also features Alison Mossar on guitar, which is something you don't see. I mean, you do in uh, the kills. You but. do, but it's not like her primary thing. She's a vocalist and songwriter. I would categorize her more than anything, but she's also a very talented uh, instrumentalist as well yeah. and guitar player. I consider her more of a front person singer in the Dead Weathers context. Mm-hmm. And right along from there, we move on to Jack White's solo career. The first album, Blunderbuss, includes a buzzard sitting right on the cover there on Jack White's shoulder in front of the Nashville power plant. Yeah. I believe that buzzard is taxidermy and had a name Cupcake. Oh, it was uh, was Cupcake. Yeah, Cupcake. That was one of our very first... Rags and Bones. Uh, Jack uh, Jack mentions that in a, uh, I think it's a Brazilian TV interview that I watched and took notes on and then was since removed from the internet. So, unfortunately, I don't have that audio anymore. The album Lazaretto features Birds of Plenty, incorporates peacocks into the imagery there. Yeah, Ron Jones used a lot of uh, yeah. bird imagery. Yeah, The peacock, especially. 
Yes. The, and, uh, the Noble Peacock, which, by the way, on Third Man's website, they just put out a new Peacock Jack White shirt. I don't know if it's new, actually, but it looks like it's maybe a holdover from the Lazaretto tour, but mm. it's really, really cool. And James hinted a hint, uh, you know. Yeah, they would be delicious <laughs> on Thanksgiving. I agree. Okay. Um, All right. And specifically in the songs, I think I found the culprit. The mm. Two crumbs on my windowsill must be from pie. Uh, two birds sitting there perfectly still. I am shoehorning mm-hmm. Thanksgiving in here as much as I can. I am so very sorry for this episode, Paul. Birds of a feather may lay together, but the uglier one is always under the gun. Birds of a feather may lay together, but the uglier one is always under the gun. Birds of a feather may lay together, but the uglier one is always under the gun. The Who is the Who starts with some crow sounds, right? Well, that's what I was going to get into next, which is Want and Able. Yeah, Want and Able, that's right. In which crows play on the front end or back end, depending on what you're listening to, whether or not you're listening to a, a vinyl version or a CD or digital version. Uh, the vinyl has the crows at the end. That's a playout groove as well, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> So it has crows. The crows were, we've talked about this briefly before, but they were played from a, from an old hunting record that Jack had found. The, because those crows are coming from, these are old uh, hunting records I found. that I found a portable uh, record player from the 50s that you, you take out and, and go hunting, and these are records that you'd play to get crows to come around. There, were, there was a death cry of a crow and a crow and a raven, a crow and a <laughs> something else fighting each other. So those are two different old records played at the wrong speed. They're played at very slow down, like 33 when they're actually 45s or something. So those are, those are old hunting records. Records to start off, to, to, to shoot two people fighting or, or trying to come together. So I thought it would help out. Now, crow, yeah, not something you'd find on a typical Thanksgiving table. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm willing to try. I mean, it's a bird, so it's close yeah. enough. Yeah, well, I'll eat. I'll look. I'll eat a crow. I'll do that. I'm willing to eat crow. Do you want me to do that right now? Yeah. But but you know, if you if you were to eat the crow, you might actually enjoy it, and you might actually start gnawing on it until you reach a certain part of the crow. Paul, oh, for right. God's sake! <laughs> this whole thing is a ragged bone. Paul, it's a ragged. James Ragged Bone is the portion of the show where you find something weird put in our weird podcast. So what other weird thing he got? (laughs) I'm so sorry for this episode, you guys. It was hard to come up with any sort of verification for this, Mm -hmm. but uh, I found a book from 1875 by one (laughs) Gilbert White, Uh a natural history book called The Natural History of Antiquities of Selborne, which details certain types of birds including a bird called the chaffinch, mm-hmm. a British bird. Yeah. And I'll read some of this this book published in 1875. Please do. The London bird catchers take great numbers of cock chaffinches by dummies. Basically, they, they place birds uh, to lure another bird in. 
the bird will sing a bird call and then the the bird they're trying to catch will swoop into the dummy bird and they'll they'll capture it that way and they 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 use this bird song and people love this bird song and there are many ways to vocalize this bird song into into regular human speech so that you can say it uh some of which are ring ring rattle chuck widow so the the bird is sometimes called a chuck widow another bird sings ring ring rattle jack white what now paul i have a clip here of the of the chaffinch we could see (laughs) we could see if we think that sounds like it i personally don't hear it so yeah so these birds are occasionally called jack whites i thought that was pretty interesting I think that is interesting. Again, couldn't find any verification of it. So if anybody's called them a Jack White, they haven't done so since 1875, Paul. (laughs) I don't know what to say, James. I'm flummoxed. Just go to your local shoekeeper. He'll sell you uh, a chaff inch for three shilling a dozen. I'll take all my shillings (laughs) with me just in case. (laughs) And that's this week's record. (laughs) Wow. I've got one. Okay. I've got I've got one. Yeah. James, do you want to do you want to go to a to another little topic here? What do you say? Yeah, let's move on to another topic, Paul. Have you ever heard of a man named Dan Traeger? Mm-mm, I have not. Well, let me tell you about Dan Traeger. Dan Traeger was an A&R rep for the famous indie rock label Sub Pop. And he grew up in Michigan, spent a lot of time in the Detroit area, wound up going to Seattle. But upon returning to Detroit uh, on Thanksgiving weekend, which was uh, November 26, 1998, he heard for the first time a recording by The Go and also saw the band at the Magic Stick. He was also told, apparently, over that weekend that you've got to check out this group called The Go and you've got to check out The White Stripes. Interesting. Yes, and that was over Thanksgiving weekend, so there is my connection there. But uh, it's it's really, really cool because they went on to sort of talk about it a little bit in the book Detroit Rock City, which was written by a fellow named Steve Miller. I assume no relation, although maybe. <laughs> and he, he's quoted here uh, saying, I grew up, this is Dan Traeger speaking, I grew up on the east side of Detroit, and the Go were friends of my friends from high school. I moved up at Sub Pop from publicity to A&R, and I was digging through demos to sign my first band. I was in Detroit in Thanksgiving 98, and people were telling me about The Go and The White Stripes. I got a tape of The Go, and I realized I was in love with this band. Jack White says, It was kind of shocking, having sub-pop interested. We had dinner with John Poneman, and it was all great. I was so surprised that they cared about a Detroit band. I didn't know that much about the music business. I also had the White Stripes going, and it just shows you that nobody cared about the White Stripes, really. That band was already happening, and so was Two Star Tabernacle. I was in three bands. The Go was the one that people were talking about at that moment. Dan follows up by saying, The Go was a real baby band, a very green developing artist, but I was knocked out by the songwriting and the guitar playing, which was a lot of Jack White. So that was all really interesting, and I sort of did a little more digging here into Dan's career, and uh, it looks like he has worked for the University of of Washington, in which he had attended school. Uh, He was also a support technician for some other colleges, an audio architect for Muzak, reviewed books for The Strand, funnily enough, during the sort of late 80s, which is 
fascinating. And he also has a couple of technical recording credits to his name uh, for Sappy Records and Great Beyond Recordings, a band called Elevator, and a band called Eric's Trip, which is a Canadian indie rock band uh, formed in uh, New Brunswick in 1990. So a lot of interesting stuff there. There's a lot more to dig up about this guy, but it sounds like he was one of the main catalysts for the go getting that first sort of sub-pop record. I suppose famously not getting another one. Uh, But that happened, you know, a lot of things can happen when you're home on Thanksgiving break, James. That's right, which actually is a perfect segue into my next topic. Is it so? It is so. Okay. So the next topic I have is is a little story I found on the internet about a a certain record collector, John Tefteller, and this is all coming to me from Goldmine Magazine or goldminemag.com. John Tefteller is a record preservationist. He he enjoys uh, finding rare records and kind of keeping them and, and making them safe for time to come. Mm-hmm. And so he puts the word out that he's looking for specific records. And on one Thanksgiving day, uh, he actually got an answer. He quote from Tef Taylor, when I got back from the turkey dinner, there was an email with the line saying, found Sun House Paramount 12990. Are you interested? Whoa. And now this album is, it wasn't lost but it is so incredibly rare. It's uh, Sunhouse singing the Dry Spell Blues, which hmm. we can hear a little bit of here. It has been so dry. You can make a fine house out there, war. Well, it has been so dry. Um, there are about four copies known to exist of this record, uh-huh. and it is so so very incredibly rare. It's a early pressing from uh, from Paramount. So uh, Tefteller opened the message to learn that that this person had been out on a Thanksgiving Day stroll and came across an abandoned cabin in the mountains near Appomattox, Virginia, where he went inside for a closer look and found a bunch of 78 RPM records uh, strewn across the floor, many without sleeves, but one was left relatively unscathed, which was Dry Spell Blues Part 1 and 2. And he, he emailed this guy because he had heard that uh, that Tef Taylor was yeah. the one to, to ask about this record. Tef Taylor wrote back saying to give him a call. And Tef Teller says, it's just the point that somebody in 2011 is wandering in the woods and finds a cabin with a record of that caliber in it. It was in an Mm. extremely remote area, and it was very possible that it had been there since the early 50s. There's still potentially only three to four copies in existence. That's the first Sun House Paramount that's turned up in the wild, so to speak, in a long, long time. Wow, that's amazing. It gave this guy hope that these records are, are out there and people are looking for them and not throwing them away. Uh, an interesting Sunhouse story. Sunhouse, for those of you who don't know, is, uh, is part of the catalyst for Jack White diving into the blues. Sunhouse uh, sang yeah. Grinning in Your Face, which which got Jack White interested in 
the blues and uh, and started a part of Jack White's musical career that we wouldn't have had access to earlier. So anyway, that was a Thanksgiving yes. Day stroll that turned up a, a, a really super rare record, and I thought it was a super interesting story. So thank you, Goldmine Magazine. That is an interesting and story. Mr. Tefteller. Yeah. So we're going to move right along to our, our, our next topic from there, Paul. Hit me. It's the uh, the annual Thanksgiving turkey drive. Ah, uh, yes. I was going to mention this as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. So as they do every year, Third Man Records is partnering up with uh, Nashville Rescue Mission and Detroit Rescue Mission in the Cass Quarter to do their annual turkey drive. Their goal is to collect a thousand turkeys and assorted fixins to throw a banquet for people who are less fortunate and cannot afford turkey dinners on Thanksgiving, which is a it's a noble gesture with a noble bird. Hmm, a very noble bird. And James, longtime listeners to the show will remember that it, it was episode eight of the podcast in which we discussed the Thanksgiving turkey drive for the first time, and Mr. Carl Butterball was introduced to the world. So I would just like to point out that for all the good that that turkey drive does, really the best thing it did was give birth to Carl Butterball. So just putting that yeah, out there no, for the world. Or the worst thing. For all the good that it's done in this world, it it's spawned this awful creation that most of you hate, I'm sure. <laughs> Carl Butterball in the fiction of our universe, the biggest fan of Jack White and contributed many, many turkeys to the drive. Yes, many. To be able to win some of these wonderful prizes, uh, which Third Man Records is giving away um, because any time in the next two weeks, which this is coming out the day before Thanksgiving, so it's a little late for that, but... Two weeks before Thanksgiving, if you bring uh, a receipt of your donation to Third Man Records storefronts, you'll receive a 10% discount on your purchase, a free 7-inch, uh, standard 7-inch of your choosing, and you'd also mm-hmm. be entered to win a Thanksgiving prize pack, which this year's prize packs are prize number one is vault packages number 31, 32, and 33 from this year, all in one. Awesome. Prize number two LSTN on-ear, or listen, I suppose they want you to say, on-ear headphones, plus U2 Black Friday exclusive Blackout on black and white vinyl. And uh, prize number three is LSTN, or listen, earbuds, plus the U2 Black Friday exclusive Blackout on black and white vinyl. One's the on-ear headphones, one's the earbuds. But yeah, if if you'd like to to donate today, I guess, because this is coming out on Wednesday... But if you don't live uh, in Michigan or Tennessee, you can feel free to give to the Nashville Mission directly online following the Mm -hmm. uh, Third Man's link on on their website. And your donation of $15 or more will automatically enter you into the prize pack drawing. And Paul, from there is my final topic for this evening. Uh, What is it? With unconscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Football, Paul. Football. Football. What's a football? It's American football. Okay, football. People love football on Thanksgiving. Football is a Thanksgiving tradition for many people in the United States, as well as being a Thanksgiving tradition for those in Detroit. The Detroit Lions always play a game on Thanksgiving Day. This year's game is actually against the Minnesota Vikings, so that's a Detroit tradition. According to Mm. Wikipedia, the concept of American football games being played on Thanksgiving Day dates back to 1876, shortly after the game had been invented as it was a day that most people had off work. The first owner of the Detroit Lions, G.A. Richards, reportedly started the tradition of the Thanksgiving Day game as a publicity ploy to get people to go to his team's games. Hmm. And so the reason I'm talking about this isn't specifically Detroit. I realize Jack has connections to Detroit. But the reason I'm talking about this is because certain Jack White songs are are well known 
in the footballing world. Yeah. Specifically two of them, one less so, which is Salute Your Solution by the Raconteurs. Ah, that's right. Is occasionally used for interstitial stuff in U.S. football. But the one that most people would know, Paul, I think you have an idea on this. Would you like to wager a guess? Uh, Absolutely. It is, uh, it is, uh, Entitlement. That's the one. It really, nothing pumps you up quite like entitlement. Yes, Paul, it's entitlement. No, it's Seven Nation Army. Ah, that's right. I knew that. I was being facetious. Army has been used in uh, in sporting events for quite a long time. It's a song off of the album Elephant uh, that the White Stripes put out, uh, and Seven Nation Army is one of their biggest hits. And it's a very easy song to play in a stadium. Yes, eight years after its release, it, it started to be uh, part of global sports culture. It was played in soccer stadiums, baseball stadiums, and also on Thanksgiving night, it was played to seventy one thousand fans at the M T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. Uh, where they chanted the riff in unison, the where the Ravens mm. were playing at that that evening. So that that Thanksgiving night, uh, people were shouting the bass line. Oh 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 yeah. Whereas the which we did many times at Jack White shows yeah. and that around Jack White shows. It's, it, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, he loves it. He loves that this song has been taken to that place by the sports world because it's ingrained it with so many people in so many people's brains that might not have necessarily known it to begin with. It's, it's a standard at this point, David Crosby. (laughs) Yeah. I think you brought up specifically baseball was using it, but you know, sports in general has been using it for the song. Jack used an effects pedal to make his guitar sound like a bass, which fit the arrangement and third man curmudgeon Benjamin Swank said, 
That's the doom of it. <laughs> it makes it perfect for a marching band. <laughs> the Ravens polled their fans about what song uh, would be great to rally the crowd uh, into the fourth quarter at home games, and Seven Nation Army beat out Enter Sandman by Metallica, Joe Satriani's crowd chant, uh, among others. And uh, it is now a ritual for them. Uh, the Detroit Lions mm-hmm. joined in too, and they play the song at Ford Field during most home games. Huh. Yeah, so uh, football, uh, Thanksgiving tradition, is basked in Jack White. I would also love to point out that uh, Jack White is also the name of Fullerton College's six foot three, two hundred and ninety pound offensive tackle from Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, just just try <laughs> typing in Jack White football into Google and not finding this guy dominating literally every headline. Yeah, I could not for the life of me find much when I was doing that specific SEO search. <laughs> let's let's finally kick it to our third man for this week. Yeah, let's do that. Welcome to our third man for this week, Joe Lalich. Joe, thank you for joining us. You're here. I am here, of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being on. Paul has told me much about you, and I think we both know you're a White Stripes fan, a Jack White fan. You've been to many shows, and you're also in Detroit, are you not? I am in Detroit, and and oddly enough, it has nothing to do with me being a White Stripes fan. It just happened to be that that's <laughs> where I was born and raised. So there you go. So we're in Detroit. Like you don't have to give specifics, but so Jack is was from Mexican town. Yep. Where in relation to all of that are you? Are you because I know nothing of Detroit geography. Yep. So yeah, that so that sort of area is about twenty minutes away from me. So the okay. uh, the famous Eight Mile, made, right. made famous mm. by Eminem. That's the delineation, sort of the dividing line between the suburbs and Detroit city proper. Gotcha. I am yeah. four miles north of that. I'm on 12-mile road because, obviously, we don't have any sort of, you know, interesting ways to name our streets around here. We just name them one, two, yeah. you know, <laughs> one, one mile road. It's funny. On that mile road, you can miss your shot uh, and your yeah. chance. D- yeah. 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 Really you have more easy. than one shot, though, so it's okay. Yeah. That's right. But let That's me right. tell you, Mom's spaghetti still tastes mm, so good on that one. Oh boy! Um, so yeah, so I'm about so I'm about 20 <laughs> minutes away from yeah that sort of Mexican town area. Okay, and where is that in relation to the Cass Corridor? They're very near one another, and yeah, so gotcha. maybe about yeah five minutes away from each other. Then at that point, so we're all very close. Okay, if you haven't guessed, we brought you on to be our Detroit geographer, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. So uh, yeah, thanks, and <laughs> yeah, it's it's, been, it's been fun. Yeah, yeah. thanks, guys. We appreciate <laughs> it. That's been great. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm better than a map. <laughs> so as James mentioned, you're a White Stripes fan. That's how we got to know each other. Um, you had yeah. uh, you had done some really cool Jack White artwork, you're like a chibi Jack almost, yeah, uh, which, right, is, right. which is super cool. When did you first become a uh, White Stripes fan? So yeah, sort of the get behind me Satan era. That was kind of my first. That was my first record, and got why it. I got into them then, I really don't have an answer for that. I think I was probably just fooling around on iTunes and stumbled upon them somehow. It's, you know, being a, a Detroit band, you would think that I would have caught up with them earlier than that. And I, I miss that, that sort of golden era, I guess, of the White Stripes. I mean, I guess it was all golden, but, you know, those early gold dollar days and all of those, you know, like I missed all that stuff, which is, you know, unfortunate looking back on it. The Silver Beatles era, the Silver Stripes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of missed out on that stuff. Uh, just as well, I mean, Get Behind Me Satan, I, I've 
talked about ad nauseum on this show. It's my favorite album by them. And so that's a nice time to hop aboard. Although it's weird because that's the most offbeat kind of White Stripes album they put out with the exception of things like Blue Orchid, which are a little more consistent with what they had sounded like up to that point. So that was the album that got you into them. And then you started picking up everything after that. Or was it sort of like a more of a curiosity at that time? Yeah, it, yeah, it was curiosity. I mean, obviously, I loved that record and saw them on that tour, which was very cool. Oh, nice. And then, yeah, then I, so I sort of started going backwards and, and listening, um, you know, and kind mm-hmm. of getting acquainted with the earlier material. Yeah. But yeah, have, cool. have become a huge fan since and have followed and collected and gone to many shows, not White Stripe shows, but obviously Jack White solo shows mm-hmm. throughout the country uh, since then. You're also acquainted with the fan community. We have a mutual friend, Callie Durga, yep. a.k.a. Tam, who is a mutual a friend of the program and a friend of the uh, of the show, so... That's right. Uh, you're, uh, you're you're in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have one friend. Friend of the show and a friend of the Joe. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, That's it's cool. cool. Yeah, she actually has some of that artwork as well. So, yeah, it's awesome. fun. Yeah. It's hanging in the Cass Corridor third man, right? Is that, it is is in, that right? Yeah, there is a, I think they sort of call it the fan art. They have like kind of a case down there at third man Cass. And uh, yeah, it's it's been down there. So it was really cool. They were really nice to... To kind of pick that stuff up and um, put it in the case, and so there it sits until you know, <laughs> <laughs> until Jack sees it and goes, "What is this terrible stuff? Get this out of my store!" <laughs> and then we get White Stripes Babies, the hit cartoon. Uh, that, that's right. That's right. It's just gonna take off. Very I actually exciting. thought it could be very cool for some of like their infant gear and apparel. So if anybody from third see? listening, see, just keep doing more of it until he can't say no. Mm-hmm. That's what Rob Jones did. Only Rob Jones was sending him weird images of luchestic dead animals. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Maybe, yeah, maybe I need to change my focus. Yeah, to the deceased. <laughs> I consider what me and Paul are doing here to be fan performance art. So maybe they'll just yeah. put me and Paul in that case for a little while, <laughs> so we could sit and, and talk at it. Well, that transitions very nicely into what we wanted to talk to you about here, Joe. As uh, this is sort of a pseudo fell in love with the show segment, wherein we talk about going to see Jack and Jack related artists. You and I saw Mr. Jack White last weekend, Saturday, November the 4th, at the Barnes & Noble here in lovely, sunny Hollywood, California, home of 90210 and... The OC? The OC is definitely, I don't call it that, is also out here. (laughs) I want to say Party of Five, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we saw Jack White and Eleanor Blake. Eleanor Blake, by the way, the singer-songwriter, also known as April March, which blew my mind because I did not know that, do a signing and a book reading of the We're Going to Be Friends children's book. Mm. And it was a crazy experience, Joe. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. You, you said sunny California, except for the time that we were in line. It was neither sunny nor warm. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> On the empty streets of Los Angeles, the lonely streets of Hollywood or Los Angeles, I guess. <laughs> at the early hours that we were in line, right? Well, yeah, well, that'll sort of start the adventure there. I was there, oh, maybe 10 after 5, and there was about 10, 15, 20 people in front of me, maybe not even that much. Yeah. And then slowly it started to populate. You got there not long after, and yeah, we hung out there until they started giving out the wristbands, which was 9 o'clock, so it was a good solid four hours yes. of mm-hmm. standing there with our line buddy, Mel. That's right. Uh, M- Mel, if you're out there, 
we're sorry that you showed up late later. More on that in a moment. And uh, you look like a very nice man. Strong, silent <laughs> Mel, right? Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. So, how cool. how many drifters you think got online because they just wanted <laughs> some like they thought it was for food or <laughs> my guess three. There's definitely okay. three in there for sure. But it was nice. Okay. It was actually you know what it was. It was cool to see a bunch of third man merch in Los Angeles because I don't really see it all that often out here, and so. In the off chance, I do spot that stuff in the wild. For instance, back in November, on a drive home on election night, I spotted an Icky Trump bumper sticker. I've spotted shirts maybe twice since I've been out here. Not a whole lot. It was really nice to see just a big old line full of third man parkas and pocket knives and umbrellas and t-shirts and everything else under the sun. So there was a lot of support for Jack out that morning. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, what's weird is you don't see it much around here in Detroit either. You would think that they, you know, would pass it out in the suburbs and in the city out here. People (laughs) would just be, you know, it'd be, it would be black and yellow everywhere, but no, that's, it's not really the case, but yeah, it is cool. Whenever, you know, whenever you see these groups of people get together and I think that's part of what makes it so cool, right? Is this that sense of community that sort of forms around, you know, these events and, you know, it happens all the time at the cast court or whenever I go down and do something like that. It's like you immediately have something in common to talk to a stranger about. That's always part of the fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, much like our line buddy, Mel. That's right. So, That's right. Yeah. Mel. Yeah. Yeah. We felt like we knew him forever, right? Yeah. Somewhere Mel Gibson is crying because he didn't get a jacket <laughs> autograph. <laughs> Four hours later, they let us in, and it was pretty cool because they had a nice little Jack White area by the cash register when you were going in to buy your book and get your wristband. Although, funnily enough, there was White Stripes records and Jack White records and all that stuff, but there was also the country singer Jack White, uh, completely unrelated. Heard the highway humming that outbound sound. Saw a greyhound coming, so I thumbed him down. Bummed a one-way ticket out of Caney Ridge. Who had a double album that cost, I think, $3.99 that was also in that sort of display. And I had to wonder, was that a joke? Did Olivia leave it there as a gag? Or did some poor pimply-faced stock boy... Uh, not understand the directive or did not know what a Jack White was. Probably that. Yeah, it's definitely some poor Barnes & Noble millennial uh, who is like, I have no idea who this man is, but he wants to be my friend, and I'm going to put out his album. Uh, but he looks like a really old country singer, uh, except in these couple albums here. I'm not sure about these ones, but yeah. Yeah, millennials are killing Jack White. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I've seen a little too much world Now I'm looking for a small town girl When I was a kid So we got to the front of the line. You had been there, Joe, the night before, right, for the Paul Stanley signing. I had. I had, yeah. Oddly enough, yes. You signed up for the thing to get the special placement, so tell us a little bit about that. Correct, yeah. They, they have a thing where if you become a Barnes & Noble, I don't know, club member or whatever it is, you get a you got a bracelet to sort of be in the front of the crowd and, and be able to get around the rabble that hadn't purchased the, the Barnes & Noble <laughs> Club Extra. Um, the so riffraff. That's right, the riffraff. Um, Not but, one of the Barnes & Nobility. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was the night before, but uh, but on this day, unfortunately, I was not. Um, yeah, we were like five people shy, or not even. I think we were at the front of the damn line, and we, they were about to call us forward, and they're like, "No more premium available." That, that's that's right. As soon as they saw you strolling up to the register, they were like, yeah. "That's it. We're not letting this guy anywhere near the front." <laughs> you cut off. Uh, you had too much. Uh, but but it was nice because they still and this is a good system and I would love for future signings and th- I would love if concerts were like this to be honest they had when they give you the wristband they give you a certain color wristband and then they write a letter on it and that corresponds to where you're sitting for the actual thing so because we were so close to the front we were in letter A which meant that we didn't have to line up or do anything crazy when the actual reading and signing was beginning because we had already paid our dues in those wee hours of the morning. It was a great system because mm. it took the pressure off and allowed us both, after we bought the books, to kind of hang out. I went home, you know, went for a run, took a shower, you know, like I, I had a nice lunch, you know what I mean? So it was, it was very good. Yeah, you sort of only had to scramble once, and it's pretty clear that, you know, where they held the signing at this Barnes & Noble, that they have done this a million and one times before and had it down. It was a well-oiled machine, to say the least. They they sort of, they Mm -hmm. started on time. I've I've been in lines at these things enough where the hour hits that they're supposed to start moving or doing something, and you're standing around wondering what's going on. There's no communication, and it just sort of, you know, you don't know what's happening, especially when it was a little bit cool out like it was that morning, and you've been standing for four and a half hours. It was great that they were so professional about all of it, so my kudos to those Mm. folks. And they were. I mean, you had literally just done it the day before, but I was talking to a few people, actually, about this. The Bruce Springsteen line, I want to say, last year was two days long. Wow. So the fact that they were able to organize and pull something like that off was even crazier although they said that one went a little bit differently because that one they allowed photos and what they would do is they'd get you in there the things were pre-signed they'd slap that in your bag they'd shove you next to bruce say smile shoot the photo and then whisk you away and so they were able to go through something like a thousand people it was a crazy number of people they were able to actually go through also on the wristbands instead of letters they put exit numbers so that they can <laughs> tell, tell you apart. It's a New Jersey joke for y'all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. James, you were born for fun. <laughs> uh, edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we come back and we've lost poor Mel. He is gone. I don't know where. The last words he spoke to me is, yo, do you blaze? And then he went off into the <laughs> ether. R.I.P. Mel. Yeah. And uh, R.I.P. Mel, he's gone, but not forgotten. And uh, we love him very dearly. <laughs> Some say on 420, you can hear him saying, oh, man, I missed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We get back, and I got there sort of before you a little bit, but they sat us down. It was very nice. They had a cool little setup. You can see photos of that on the Third Man official or on the um, Third Men podcast Facebook page. We put photos of that up. They had a really cool display just for the signing, and there was a DJ playing in April, March, was DJing along with this guy. And they were playing a really cool mix of music. They played Chick Habit, which is the song most people would know April March for because it showed up on the Grindhouse, the Quentin Tarantino Mm. Grindhouse film, which is where I knew it from.
April March was a sympathy for the record industry recording artist, then I, that may or may not be where Jack and her kind of linked up for this thing. But at the very least, she was DJing, and they also played, and this is this is true, I have no idea why, they played a Ruddles song, the Monty Python Saturday Night Live hybrid Beatle parody, <laughs> and it was called Hold My Hand. It was sped up, which was weird, too. You don't really hear those in the wild much, you know? You no, don't really hear those. Don't. So. No, not a lot of cheese and onions out there. No. Um, Joe, at the Paul Stanley signing, did he take his face and put the book in it so that the grease paint would sign? That's right. That's right. It, it, the, the, the Paul <laughs> Stanley signing went very different than the Jack White. They came out and said, Paul will not shake hands. Oh, wow. They will not. Paul hates you personally. That, that, that's That's right. <laughs> And he had pre he had pre signed all the books. Whoa! Which you know, when they're signing the book, it kind of gives you that second where everybody's kind of disarmed and they're looking down, and you can kind of say something and maybe get their attention and sort of talk a little bit. But when when yeah. you walk up to the table and the book's already been signed, and and the guy's sort of looking at you, what you know, you you get into that Chris Farley moment of <laughs> what, you know, I I I, I love I love that one song was really good, and then security's like pushing you out of the way with your book, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we were laughing. It was like wow. the, uh, a you know Christmas story with the ho ho ho, and you're getting you're, you're getting the twelve inch you know stack heel in the face as you're getting kicked away by security, right? Kiss army. What's a kiss army? That's right. But Paul, I love you. <laughs> so yeah, this definitely was not like that. Ho ho ho. The Barnes & Noble staff, very cognizant of the fact that they are going to want to continue to do these, and so they lay down a lot of ground rules. Take all the photos you want, but you can't take any with Jack, and no no signing, no memorabilia, he can't sign your f***ing arm, nothing. And they were very, very strict about it, which filled me with an immense wave of terror, for I had brought a vinyl copy of a selection of our first four episodes, James, of the podcast to give to Jack. Mm -hmm. So I thought, when am I going to have another time to do this? So I was filled with terror and paranoia that they would confiscate it, and I not only would not be able to have him sign it, but they would just take it, and it would have been all for naught. (laughs) Yeah, only two copies of it exist. I I am in possession of at least one of those copies. So, uh, you know, there there would be at least two chances, Paul, if if I were to ever meet Jack. (laughs) I'll just carry it on my person at all times. So right. that if I was to ever meet him, I could give it to him directly. But the fortunate thing was there's a lot of roadies around, so that's when I hatched the evil plan to just give it to the roadies. And <laughs> so anyway, after the Barnes & Noble people spoke, he spoke for a moment, just sort of said the same bit that that guy said. is just like, he had a funny story about how the White Stripes technically opened for him at one point in the late 90s, and he was very, very proud of that and made uh, Jack sort of blush at one point. But but they actually um, didn't open for them, right? Didn't they? Didn't the Stripes right, that right. night have a weird conflict? And so Jack was very apologetic to this guy that you're talking about. And so, yeah, it made for an interesting story before the whole thing kicked off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and sort of jumping around here, uh, they brought Jack out to much fanfare. There's a lot of photos of that on the Facebook page, which is cool. He looked good, you know? 
Yeah. He looked happy. His hair good. looked perfect, you know? That's good. But no, he looked good. He was wearing like a, a sweater and a collar underneath it. You know, he looked like he was... He's ready to tour. Settled down. He looked like he found a home. You know what I mean? Oh, he, he was only missing the blazer with the uh, the patches on the elbows. He looked he looked ready to read yeah. a story. Okay. Yeah. Very author like, right? <laughs> so he wasn't. He was in full professor gear. So then they introduce him. The roadie talked for a minute. April March did virtually nothing. She just sort of sat there and smiled. Jack that went on to read the book, which I, I have audio of. We'll play that here. Walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be friends. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Walk with me, Susie Lee, through the park and by the tree. We will rest upon the ground and look at all the bugs we found. Safely walk to school without a sound. Safely walk to school without a sound. Here we are, no one else. We walk to school all by ourselves. There's dirt on our uniforms from chasing all the ants and worms. We clean up and now it's time to learn. We clean up and now it's time to learn. See, in blues songs, you repeat the last phrase. <laughs> Numbers, letters, learn to spell. Nouns and books and show and tell. You kids know about that? <laughs> Playtime, we will throw the ball. Back to class, through the hall. Teacher marks our height against the wall. The teacher marks our height against the wall. I can't wait to find out how this ends. <laughs> and we don't notice any time pass. We don't notice anything. We sit side by side in every class. The teacher thinks that I sound funny, but she likes the way you sing. Tonight I'll dream while I'm in bed when silly thoughts go through my head about the bugs and alphabet. And when I wake, tomorrow I'll bet that you and I will walk together again. And I can tell that we are going to be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are going to be friends. Joe, what, what were your impressions of him reading that book to everybody? Yeah, yeah, he seemed a little uncomfortable, right? Like, and he, I think he bit. said something about it himself, and I don't know if you have it in the video or not, but he, he says something about... Can I hold the mic at the same time as turn the pages on the book while he had a mic stand right in front of him? Like it, it was like he, 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 you know, you, yeah, he was a little bewildered, I think, and unsure of what was going to happen. They obviously did not do a run through and say, "Hey, there's going to be a mic stand that you can we'll put the mic on there." And yeah, it seemed like a, kind of an odd, an odd start to the proceedings, right? It's mm. funny. I totally forgot about that. But yeah, he, he made some crack about performing his whole life and not realizing there was a mic stand next to him. <laughs> That's right. They say before the whole thing, right, Jack comes out and they say, all right, all little kids and their parents can come up front. And even that seemed a little weird, right? It didn't seem like... That's Because right. they hadn't told anybody that that was going to happen. And it seemed like, hey, when Jack comes out, we're going to have all the little kids come up front like you would for a story time, which I thought was a really cool touch in any event, but it just seemed like the whole thing seemed like it was kind of a little off kilter and people were unsure of what was what was happening. Yeah, that was the other aspect of it. The people who did not necessarily wait the amount of time we did got to sit on the floor in front of him. But that wasn't a case of like us being bitter about it because like you say, it was a nice touch to have the kids there and they yeah. were putting out the call for like, hey, we want kids up front. Yeah. So that it was nice. It wound up being fine. It is a children's book after all, so. Paul did try to go up front. I had to physically restrain him and remind him that he wasn't a kid, <laughs> even though he felt like one at that moment. <laughs> 
Paul had a trench coat on, and he was trying to pretend that he was two kids in a trench coat, but, like, found yeah. out. Yeah. I'm multiple um, little rascals, damn it! <laughs> and, uh, so, did did uh, did Jack, while reading, did he break away from the book halfway through and start saying the lyrics to Jack the Ripper, and then go back to the book? <laughs> that was canon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So that it was very nice, and it went by stupid quick, and then it was done, and then they set up the table, and he and April March sort of sat there and were getting ready for the signing, and Jack said hello to all the kids, and it was super cute. And then they did take a few pictures with the crowd, and so you can see those in the photo from that day. Joe and I, we are the heads directly on top of Jack's, uh, smiling and s- screaming or whatever. You could see that in the official third man photos uh, from that day. Which is pretty cool because that was a nice little yeah. souvenir since we weren't able to actually yeah. take photos uh, with Jack. So uh, anyway, that was really cool. And then, yeah, we got up there and I shook his hand and I asked for the sign, uh, the uh, autograph on the cover because I was, I'm was i going to get it framed. And so I, and he seemed shocked by that, but did it. And <laughs> uh, I, th- I said, thank you for the music. And I said, I can't wait for the new album. And he seemed sort of bewildered. Again, he was a little bewildered that day, but he was like, oh, oh, yeah, thank you. It would have been weirder if he had just said what music. And so that would have been... <laughs> You've been imagining me this whole time. <laughs> I'm the other Jack White. I'm that country singer. (laughs) (laughs) Just to take a step back, I thought there were a couple of cool moments during the reading itself, right? Oh, sure. As he was flipping through the books, right? Some of the lyrics repeat in the (laughs) the song itself. So as he's reading through, he goes, I I repeat this because all blues songs repeat the last line. So I thought that was cool. It was almost like he was giving some instruction to the kids. So that was kind of cool. And he's giving some insight. Right. He sort of stopped and deadpanned and said, I can't wait to see how this ends. So, there, <laughs> you know, I think he got a little bit more comfortable as he was going. But yeah, it was it was a, it was a little bit of a weird start. But I think once he got into the spirit of the moment, it was good. That's awesome. Paul, you forgot to tell everybody about the pact that we made. Oh, the pact. I was... Uh... Oh, the Paul, pact. Paul, he told me. Paul, at one point, Paul, what's that, James? He told me afterwards. He said he felt so bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Because Paul, at one moment, he, he's basically turned into just a puddle of goo as Jack walks by. <laughs> so as, as Jack takes his place on the, on the author's throne in front of the, the, uh, the adoring crowd, this. Paul All turns right, to me, this. and he puts his hand out, and he goes, we're going to make a pact. We're going to make a pact. <laughs> We're going to do everything we can humanly possible to make sure that we get photos of one another interacting with Jack. And I'm like, well, of course. So I I sort of low-five Paul, and it's like, we're good. We're we're making this pact. And I'm 100% committed. What I I didn't realize is that Paul wasn't 100% committed to the pact that he had incited. And yeah, so long story short, I think I took 87 pictures of Paul with Jack my number, my number might, the number might be off, but I think Paul's number of photos with me with Jack White, I think are zero because I haven't seen any of those photos. So he's got them. Uh, uh, first yeah, of all, never make a pact. Never make a pact with. <laughs> first Ever. of all, first of all, I feel very he's, bad about this. Second of all, I'm very sorry, Joe. Third of all, I much like you said was a complete puddle of goo. And not that that's a defense, yeah. but I was moving a mile a minute. I was mm. there with uh, uh, April March, had made eye contact yes. with me, and you don't want to break of eye course. contact with, with uh, the April March. That's right. And 
I forgot everything and everyone and my own name in that moment. And uh, I apologize very much, and I guess we're talking about the pact. So, uh, which, yeah. which, is, which is weird because I was able to somehow keep it together and take multiple photos of you engaging with Jack. And uh, But, you know, that's all we need to say about that. I just wanted to make sure that it was covered. Yeah. Because it was an oh, integral moment for, for me. It was a very important moment uh, of, of the day to make sure that you that you were captured with Jack. This is going real great. Um I think it's safe uh, to say, got him. Brother, what about the packs? What about the packs? <laughs> well, uh, as I was disavowing the pact, <laughs> I did hand off the, the <laughs> record of our podcast to his roadie. And, uh, and Joe got so pictures said, of that, hey, too. <laughs> I, I, did, I, I, I did multiple photos. Because I never leave a man, I never leave a man behind. I think the real takeaway here is we both got a photo with him together. It's true, and that's the real thing. <laughs> I feel very bad about the pact. What about the pact? <laughs> so Jack Brody has the copy of the podcast, and he may or may not have given that to Jack. But what what did you uh, what did you say to Jack when you were up there, Joe? Uh, yeah, so as I was meeting Jack, um, I just told him, hey, I came from Detroit to do this. And he was like, no way. And so we just had a quick little moment. He, he said, that's really cool. Thanks for doing that. And then, you know, security pushed me away. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and that was it. So, yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it's it's often with these things, you wait for hours and you sort of, it's a long setup. And then, Paul, like you said, you sort of lose where you are and what's going on and it, it just goes by so fast um it's a it's a weird it's so it's a weird moment especially you know i i'd never met him before i know you hadn't met him before um he's yeah. kind of an he's kind of an elusive figure right he doesn't really do these sort of official signings or any of this kind of stuff you know even after shows he doesn't really stop or in in my experience he hasn't really uh, stopped and signed much and done those kinds of things. But yeah, it was sort of a, it was sort of a whirlwind. But it was all it was cool to be a part of it. So it, you know, in a way, you could say it was a once in a lifetime thing because he is kind of elusive and yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, unless he writes another book of lyrics, um, yes. you know, we won't be able to do that again. Yeah, for for love interruption, it's like yeah, <laughs> children's book about <laughs> stabbing your mother. All right, now kids. You're going to murder your own mother. It makes it all the worse knowing that he's elusive uh, because this past yesterday was Jack signing at Barnes & Noble in New York, and I was going to go. I had my alarm all set. I went to bed early. I was going to wake up and drive from around Allentown, Pennsylvania to New York City about two hours. So I was going to wake up at 3, get there around 5, and uh, I woke up around 8.30 and... uh, overslept, must have turned off the alarm in my sleep, which is challenging because I used my Amazon Echo to do it. So it must have meant that I shouted into the midnight air, (laughs) (laughs) alarm off, and I am so disappointed in myself. Damn you, Alexa. (laughs) (laughs) The government has a record of me saying that and losing... Yeah losing my chance to meet him so i'm i'm very jealous of you too but i'm really happy that uh that you guys got to got to meet him and got a signature and stuff because it's really it's a really cool experience kudos for being able to wake yeah. up and do that well you you and alexa had a pact yeah. and alexa 
broke that pact and decided to take po- photos of me sleeping. So Paul's saying that he and Alexa have something in common. They're both pact breakers. Mm. We're mm-hmm. pact breakers. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, well, that that brings us really to the end here. But we would be remiss to omit that as we were walking out, there runs up poor Mel, who oh. uh, had just gotten there too late and at, it was literally as we were walking away from the tables freshly blazed correct yeah <laughs> poor mel r.i.p mel and we uh, we hope you're out there listening mel he, he missed out on the reading but hopefully he got his book signed because we gave him instructions on how to get back into line so hopefully that worked we out. did we did do that and also mel had a, and I don't think we mentioned this, Mel had a dollar bill in his pocket signed by Allison Mosshart, who also <sighs> doodled on George Washington. That is awesome. Yes, that was very cool. And and we, like we said, when, when he showed it in the wallet, he just opens the wallet and in amongst the dollar bills is the Allison Mosshart dollar bill. And I said, Mel, you can't have that in Gen Pop, man. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta get that out into a into a separate area. You can't, this is not cool. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, spend that at the Seven Eleven or something. He's gonna put it into a vending machine, and it's gonna like go in, and it's gonna spit it back out for a second, and he's gonna be like, no, 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 and he's gonna put it. Back in. <laughs> Try it again. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he should be on a quest yeah. to have Jack White sign four quarters. That was our Jack White adventure, and uh, it was very cool. I'm gonna get my book framed. I haven't, I haven't done that yet, and I was really happy you were there for that joke because I was not expecting you to be. I thought I was going to be alone uh, for this, and it just so happened like the day before. I think you let me know you were in town, so thank you for being uh, my line buddy for four hours, and I'm, I'm happy we were able to do, to do that together, and it was really awesome. Thank you for being a friend, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can tell it. we're gonna be friends <laughs> at some point. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's yeah, right. Uh... That's right. No, it was it was fun. It was a really cool experience. Um, it was uh, you know a lot of times, like I said, you're in line with people who are community members, but it was it was nice to be in line with Paul. And uh, yeah, it was cool. It was a, it was a fun time. Nice, Joe. Before we go here, you're an artist and graphic designer. Obviously, as we spoke about, based out of Detroit, and you do a lot of cool prints, uh, not just of the white stripes and the like, but of all kinds of stuff. If people want to find your stuff online, where can they go? Yeah, so I have two different sites. So for my sort of graphic design, art, and illustration stuff, it's joelalich.com. And for my comic book work, it's goodcomics.com. Wow, you got that one? Nice. I did. I did. <laughs> and it's uh, and it's for sale for eight million dollars. Oh, <laughs> I'll just stick with goodcomics.pizza for now. I'll be okay. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We encourage everybody out there to go check out Joe's work. It's it is really great. And Joe's. Uh, I, I'm sure if you're in the Detroit area, you'll see Joe at Cass Corridor every now and again, and look for his stuff in the fan art display there, which is really really cool. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, and thanks so much for yeah. coming on, Joe. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, we're going to get back to the show here. James, what do you say? I think we should make a pact to do that. Yeah. (laughs) 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 
James, this has been a lovely, lovely Thanksgiving episode. And uh, thank you to Joe Lalich for joining us on the show and helping share that story of meeting Jack White with me. We had a very, very good time. I would like to also add again, if you haven't already donated to the Nashville or Detroit rescue missions, you know, you don't even have to wait till Thanksgiving to do that. You could just sort of do that and mm-hmm. that'd be fine. In fact, I encourage you to do so. James, I think it's high time we announce to the listeners what we've got coming up next episode in two weeks. I'm very excited about it. Oh, y'all are going to love this. I think we should just spill the beans. What do you yeah, say, I'm, James? Yeah, I'm all uh, hopped up on tryptophan, so I'm too sleepy to give, a, to give a darn about telling these fine folks that next episode's special guest is going to be an extended interview with one Mr. Drumroll. Mr. Jim Diamond. <laughs> Uh, producer of the White Stripes debut album, Detroit Staple. This guy was on the ground floor of the White Stripes, and we are just so happy to talk to him. I am editing that episode right now, and I can tell you it's a lot of fun. And actually, I got a lot of great musical recommendations from Jim, which I've since like really been enjoying listening to. So there's going to be a lot of fun insight there. We're really, really looking forward to playing that one for y'all. Oh, and also, lastly, James, I'm going to let you off the hook on this one because it was me. I had tweeted that, uh, I, think a, a, I think a little cryptically last time in relation to Ben Jenkins' interview, where I misused a hashtag and made it sound a little bit like we were having Jack White on the show and not Mr. Ben Jenkins. Uh, sorry to anyone who was confused by that. My apologies, I tried to set the record straight afterwards, but I think I am just 32 years old and don't know how to hashtag things. So I am going to go ahead and plead, I'm sorry I broke my pact with you all. (laughs) If Jack White ever does come on this show, look, the odds are pretty high at this point, honestly. You know, he's got the 45 that I gave him at the signing. He's going to listen to that. He's going to say, hey, these guys are really great. They're onto something. Better go listen to the current episode. What's that? Thanksgiving? I'm in. He's going to be disappointed and leave. Yeah, leave. <laughs> so anyway, we would like to uh, extend some thank yous here to new listeners of the show, people interacting with us on social media. We have Jennifer Ortega. We have Clee Park Frias. We have Gene Rosa. We've got MJ Galibo DeSala. We've got Joy Flores. We've got Lucy Stratton. We've got Georgina Falsdyke, mm. Bonnie Schrieger, Lunar Lunar. I like that one. That's very nice. And uh, so many of you here, Grace Love Nueva Brio. Love Cubois. I don't know. There's lots of things here. Thank you all for listening to the show and interacting with us on social media. That was very kind of you. Yeah, and as always, we have the people who are here day in and day out. And on the day of thanks, I'd like to thank you all for being here. Our regulars, such as uh, those turkey bones of the operation, Kate McCoy, Jeremy Riles, keeping us on those rails. My oh me, it's me oh my. We got the ice cold Andre Lyman here. We've got Eileen I see you over there, Corsano. We got our third person in spirit, always Kelly Durga. We've got the Red Red Rain Prosper, the Punk Rock Queen, Adrian King, the Turkey Heart of the Operation, Amy Hart. We've got <laughs> LOL 2.0. We've got Eric Andrew Dotson over here, as well as Wilkin on Sunshine Event Wilkins, David Poe, 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 and S.A. Franco. We don't know what that means. We still don't know what that means, but we are very thankful that you're here with us every day, or every week, every two weeks, every episode. No, you you can't come in here. I am, you, no, you can't, stop it. 
Stop it. You can't. No, I want to talk. No, stop. You're going to embarrass me in front of my friends. Okay, no, I, how could I embarrass you? Is that Mrs. Lafarge? It is. Oh, it it's, is. it's delightful to see you, Mrs. Lafarge. You're skin and bones. <laughs> yeah, well, I. You're nothing but giblets. <laughs> I was, I've been telling your co-host over here, who's very rude, by the way, <laughs> that I would very much like to read some of the social media call-outs, because i got to oh, tell you. Mrs. Lafarge, it would be what? my pleasure to, to have you do that. Well, thank you, and thank you for remembering my name and to call me sometimes. As I was saying, I very much love social media. It's allowed me to keep in touch with Barbara. <laughs> do you know Barbara has 1,200 kids these days? 1,200! I don't even know where you get that many. I go on social media and I do talk to Barbara. She's one of my close friends. I met her in the late 1980s. Mm-hmm. And we had a lovely time. We used to make all kinds of sandwiches and give them to neighborhood children who were just skin and bones. <laughs> Barbara sounds delightful, but uh, where could we find some information about our podcast, Mrs. Lafarge? Would you? Would you well, you so could kind? go on Facebook. Facebook's the one I like to go on. That's the one where people of my age really do get together. We go on Facebook. You could go to facebook.com slash thirdmen. You could also tweet at us. I don't really understand Twitter, but I love hashtags. Oh, I put hashtags and everything. Corned beef hashtags. Oh, corned beef hashtags, pickled hashtags. I love them. You know who else loves them, James? Who's that? Barbara (laughs) loves hashtags. She tells me how much she loves them. Barbara, right off the bat, but it's Barbara. Now you can tweet at us at Third Men Cast. That's using the little A (laughs) thing that's got the swirl on it. You can also go on Tumblr, where I hear this pornography. But you can go there if you. if you like, I've we've had the talk, okay? <laughs> you can go to thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can also go to our WordPress page. That's the thirdmen.wordpress.com. We host it there. Do you know who loves hosting? All right, I'm going to take a wild guess at this. Is it Barbara? It's my son, Pokey. He loves it. But he's all skin and bones, that one. He's all skin and bones. We've got Gmail. You can send us electronic mail. What about the emails is all I'm saying. (laughs) And you can go to thirdmanpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you do still like to listen to the radio, I can't help you. You're stuck in the past. Get over it. Ladies are doing it for themselves. But you could go to Spreaker and search the third man on there where we host the show also. And if you want to go on the YouTube, you can try that. I love going on YouTube to look at, oh, pictures of penguins. I love those. And also I have some home movies on there of me and Bob. All right. Listen, honey, you take care and bundle up. It's cold outside. (laughs) So cold. All right. Yes, Mrs. Lafarge. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mrs. Lafarge. That woman won't leave me alone. She just won't leave me alone. Wowzers. Well, if you liked that, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. (laughs) And if you got any listener questions, feel free to, to, to send them our way. Maybe the question is, who's that lady that was... Just on for, like, ten minutes.
we'll answer that for you and many more because we're, we're pulling up another listener questions episode and as always uh, on this on this wonderful Thanksgiving Eve I'd like to uh, I'm super thankful for Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help with our theme song We're the Third Men as well as Susanna Roundtree for the intro and outro of her program and Joe Lalich uh, thank you for being on very thankful for you and uh, very thankful for Barbara James in all fairness I've heard Barbara's lovely I've heard very good things about Barbara James I think until next episode i gotta be looking for a home to spend thanksgiving in. yeah i'll be looking for a delightful turkey's nest to nestle into for the foreseeable future sponsored by carl butterball of the butterball turkey organization thank you good night (laughs) happy thanksgiving everyone happy thanksgiving For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. just say a couple words in it just to I'm testing the microphone. I'm saying the words. Check, check, check. One, two, check. I'm a burglar. Yeah, that's my, he is, that is my voice. It's just Nixon. I don't understand. Am I supposed to think there's a burglar coming in? Okay, well, whatever. This is weird. Let's just go. I'll coach you if you need, if I need. I I just need to, let's just do it. <laughs> Let's be a little more clear that you're saying. Be a little more clear that you're saying burglar. And, um, um, but I appreciate the acting. It ain't Shakespeare. I know that. <laughs> I thought I'm I'd... devil's advocate. That's all I am. All right, we're doing all three of them. And I'm the devil. He sounds a little something like this. This is my Satan voice for That's the show. Really? It's all yeah. It's weird. fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. Call him drink beer. <laughs> loose cannon cops. Living on Tuesday in a bar that faces a giant car wash, and the good people of the world are washing their cars on their lunch break, hosing and scrubbing as best they can in skirts and suits. They di- drive their shiny Datsuns and Buicks back to the phone company, the record store, too. But they ain't nothing like Billy and me, because all I want to do is have some fun. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is that all you, Clark? <laughs> There's no greater joy I get in this world than watching you prepare to do the butterball voice. I, it's like uh, watching somebody compartmentalize devastating embarrassment, just putting it to a, to the side. Dignity, it's, it's all... Gr- yeah. Thank you. Mm. So, mm. I'd just like to say thank you for mm. you boys for letting mm. me on the, mm-hmm. on the show, too. Mm. Excuse me. Mm. On the mm. show... That uh, some may label a train wreck, but I would label the Carl Butterball branded fine turkey train wreck. Um, uh, it's a train carrying Carl Butterball turkey. <laughs> it cooks them for you. <laughs> but before we get to all of that, Paul. All of what? But sure. But before, but we, before get we get to we that. Get... Oh, you first. You... I didn't realize I was in Buckingham Palace. My god. Ow! Sorry, go ahead.